Good morning, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 this morning. Probably going to come at it from a little different direction than what you may think. So I'm going to open with prayer right now. Father, we thank you for this time. We ask you to anoint it. Take the words that we speak and turn them into your message, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, James 3, 7, and 8. For every kind of beast and of bird and serpent and of things in the sea is tame and hath been named of mankind, but the tongue no man can aim tame. It is truly an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, everybody that's listening to this, especially if you're married, has understood what it means to have your tongue get you in trouble. I know uh, that's been one of my main problems my whole life, and not just with my wife, but when I was... a uh, a young man, I was in trouble all the time because of my mouth. Um, more than once, the Lord's quickened to me a scripture in Proverbs that says, The mouth of a fool calleth for blows. And so I understand that. So as we look at this, I've got this looked at in seven different parts. And we're not going to get to all seven of them, but I do want to read them out to you. Uh, the first thing is... <clears throat> uh, we must understand that words are important to God. I like what, uh, uh, what one writer said, No one has a choice of whether or not he lives by words, but he has a choice of what words he lives by. And um, then we can talk about, number two, we can talk about applying faith to our words, with our words. Um, the fact that Jesus is the high priest over our confession, again, more words. Number four, how can our words change things, especially the body, circumstances, and our lifestyle? Number five is actions make or break confessions of faith. What we do and what we say affects our faith. Now, number six, you've got to believe that God is for you and that His Word is your source for strength, wisdom, and power. And number seven, uh, we're going to talk about a godly tongue. Now, right off the bat, no one has a choice of whether or not he lives by words but he does have the choice of what words he lives by. Scripture is replete with script with uh, words that tell us what to speak, how to speak, what the advantages are of speaking God's word. <clears throat> and I want us to look at Mark eleven twenty three and Romans ten six through ten. I'm going to go to Mark eleven twenty three. I'm going to be speaking from uh, from the King James. It's uh, 
maybe modified a little bit, but it's going to be King James. Mark 11:23, Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he says. Now, this is a scripture, and I've, I've, I've laughed before at, at um, various footnotes that people have uh, in their Bibles. One of them, my favorite one, was said, well, Jesus didn't mean you could have whatever you say. Well, then why did he say it? If he didn't mean it, why did he say it? And one of the things that we find out is that we're made in the image of God. God has the ability to speak and create. He uses his words not just for communication, but to create things. So can we create an environment where the Word of God is working on our behalf? Um, that's the question that we want to ask. And so I want you to remember that. Jesus said, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and believes that what he says will happen, you'll have what you say. Now, I want to go on, and, and we'll, we'll hold on to that thought. Let's go to Romans chapter 10, and we'll look at verse 6, and actually go from verse 6 to 10. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Now, one of the things we're looking at here, and it's important where... James said that the tongue is full of evil, but it doesn't have to be. And no man can tame the tongue. Well, the one way you could contain, can tame your tongue is to teach it how to speak God's Word. If you're speaking God's Word, you're not going to be full of restless evil and, and all the stuff that, that happens. And like I said before, we all know of a time when our mouth betrayed us, and we said things we ought not have said. And as soon as we say them, you can't get them back. So, let's go on and read Romans 10, 6 through 10. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Okay? So he's saying that what's in our heart, what's in our mouth, is the word of faith that he's speaking. That's one of the things that we want to talk about as far as what James is saying. We don't want to hear just the negative side and, and, and walk away from reading James with the idea that everything we say is evil. Everything we say isn't evil. But Scripture tells us exactly how we should be talking. And if we do that, we won't be speaking evil words. So we'll, we'll go on there. Verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession or speaking is made unto salvation. So... By speaking God's Word and looking at what God said and making that a priority, we can 
bring salvation. We can bring uh, confession. In fact, one of my... I heard this said and I've never... I just never got my arms around it, but there is no place where Paul tells anyone to recite the sinner's prayer. What he says is, Speak, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's the process for getting saved. But you've got to confess it with your mouth. Now, go on down and look at how this might work. How do these words work on our behalf? Turn to Mark chapter 5 and let's look at verse 21. Mark 5, 21. That's still in the New Testament, isn't it, John? Yeah, yeah. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 42. Now, this is a story about Jairus, synagogue leader, who came to Jesus. And, and if we go back up to where he first said that, he said, if you come lay your hands on my daughter, she will live. That was his confession. If you come lay your hands on my daughter, she shall live. Now, with that in mind, and we go back and look at the story, you know, uh, Jesus was going with him to do that, and a little lady that had an issue of blood came up, and Jesus helped her work through that problem. As she did... Here comes some here comes some evil untamed words from uh, what I call the death messenger. He comes up to Jairus and he says these words: "Your daughter's already died. Why bother the teacher anymore?" Now, Jairus has a has a choice to make. He has said what he believed. If you come lay your hands on my daughter. She will live. Then the enemy comes and sets words in opposition to what God, what, what he's believing God for. Their daughter's already died. Why bother the teacher anymore? Doesn't that sound like Satan? Doesn't that sound like that rascal and what he does when we're down? He, he kicks us hard. But what he says is, if you... Well, come lay your hands on my daughter, she'll live. So his words spoke that way. And what happened? Well, we know Jesus showed up, and there was a crowd of mourners there, and he said, why are you guys getting all upset? She's not dead, she's just asleep. And everybody laughed at him. And I believe it's in Luke, it says, for they knew she was dead. So here's where the words come in. Jesus threw everybody out that didn't believe, Brought only those in with him that did, that did believe, and I think that's a that's a key element that we could look at extensively on the side. Is when you're in in trouble with your mouth and you've got faith being attacked, you don't want to have a bunch of people around you that contradict what you're believing. I had a we had a friend of ours that was dying of cancer. She was a new new believer. And, but she and her husband, we, Julie and I spoke to him about, about healing, that God would heal you. 
And they were all for that. They liked that. We went through the Scriptures with them. Then when we left, the next group of people came in and they were helping her plan her funeral. So you can't operate out of both sides of your mouth at the same time. James also talks about that as being a duo man. A man of, you know, two, two mouths trying to speak at the same time. It won't work. So words can have an effect, but they have to be supported by your actions. You can't say, yes, I believe in healing, and then turn around and plan your funeral. Because in that case, your funeral's going to win out, and that's exactly what happened with our friend. Now, let's go on from there. Let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 4.18. Okay. We go back to actually to verse 16. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perishes, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now verse 18 says this. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, part of what part of what you have to do to get past the evil part, your tongue. You find out what God's word says about it, and that's what you hang on to. And you look at those things which are not seen. Abraham in in uh, Romans 4:17, in fact, I'll just turn there real quick. Abraham in Romans 4.17, one of my favorite verses of all time. As it is written, I, God said, I've made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, and even God, who quickens the dead and calls things which are not as though they were. He calls things that are not as though they were. And he speaks of things that we can't see because the things we see are temporal. So walking in faith and controlling your tongue has to be something that you hang on to when it doesn't look like it's going to work. Um, one guy, uh, I heard one, one uh, teacher say this, that it's not what you say one time that makes a difference. It's what you're consistently saying over time. So you can't spend 25 years talking about, oh man, I'm telling you what, that's killing me. Oh, my feet are killing me. I'm, oh man, I've I've had it. I'm I'm so tired. I think I could just die. Things like that. Those are are words of death. They're not positive words. You don't need to be speaking them. But you can't turn on a dime and say one time and expect it to overwhelm what you've trained yourself to say for 25 years. It won't work that way. You have to be consistent in your words. Now, let's talk briefly. Let me see where we want to go here. How can our words change things? 
Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. He starts talking about, Among them too, we all live formally in the lusts of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So when we were children of wrath, and we were under the, the thumb of Satan... In Ephesians, it says, We indulge the lusts of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. If a thought comes into your mind, what's the first thing you usually do is speak it. And that's what gets us in trouble. I know I can't say just exactly what comes into my mind. I had a situation yesterday where we had a roofer came and, and completed... You know, we had an insurance claim, a storm ruined our roof. We got a brand new roof. And uh, two years later, there was a bad leak. So they came out and fixed the leak. And now we've got another leak. And they said they're going to charge us $500 to come out. And we've got a document that says that they've got a uh, lifelong, you know, 25 year, I think it was, guarantee on this roof that they'll fix it. So I had an opportunity to get really mad, and for once in my life, I didn't do that, and I told Julia, I'll deal with it, but I don't want to do it today because I'm mad at him. Now, I'm still mad at him, but I'm just not going to say what I did say. I've asked God to help me write a letter that will uh, more accurately reflect what he wants, not necessarily what I want to say. So situations like that will work, on your behalf, if you just take time to think and not let the, the thoughts that come to your mind come out your mouth. That's where the evil stuff that James is talking about comes from. Now, we go back and look at Mark 11:23 again. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, you've got to speak it. Uh, we use in, in uh, I teach in an alcohol recovery group, one of the things that we teach them is what we call BSA. Now, that's not an old motorcycle, although it was a good old motorcycle. When I was a kid, we had guys that would race them down the boulevard at our high school until the police ran them off. It was a BSA Lightning. It was a great bike, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about BSA. you got to believe it, you got to speak it, and then you got to act on it. Believe it, speak it, and act on it. Um, with that in mind, look at Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. With, with that, as your mind is transformed, and if the, the word transformed is the word we get metamorphosis from. And a metamorphosis, if you understand, uh, when you see a caterpillar and it turns into a butterfly, that's a, a design process. It is going to happen. And if you think of yourself, when you get born again, you are a caterpillar, then you will be a butterfly. You can't not be a butterfly. But it's that process, and one of the things I found out is in the process, when it goes into the cocoon and comes out as a butterfly, when it's in the cocoon, 
everything about that caterpillar turns to liquid. As as the 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 entomologist I was reading about says, it's a goo. It's completely destroyed. There is no if you broke that thing open, you'd never know it was a caterpillar. Just it would be sticky goo. But that goo, through the transforming process, becomes a butterfly. And when that butterfly comes out, it doesn't look at all like the caterpillar, but it is what it's supposed to be. Now, several years ago, I had a different avatar for me, my picture, whatever. The Lord quickened me to use a blue butterfly because he said, you're not a caterpillar anymore. So I now use the blue butterfly, and when I see that, it reminds me that God's been at work in my life, and I'm not the same clown that I used to be, at least not all the time. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He talks about wives being submissive to your husband, to the Word, and within that framework God set up an order and it's not a it's not like at all like the media and the world and and, and other people resent it uh, my wife and I have been married 47 years and I'm telling you what I knew immediately when we got married she was not one to trifle with she's not one that you go and tell her no you can't do this or or you start trying to order around. She didn't take orders very well. But I'm not that kind of guy that wants to order her around. So I watch my mouth, and I act with respect to my wife like the Word says. So I'm acting on what God says in the Word. Now, uh, let's see here. Yes, Matthew 6, 24. Remember, the purpose that we're talking about is taming the tongue. If you read James only the way it's classically preached, you'll lose hope. Because you say, well, I can't do anything about it. No man can tame the tongue. Well, no man can't, but the Word of God can. And if we speak what God says, then we're not going to have trouble with our tongue. That's the, that's the hard part. Now, Matthew 6, 24, you could go all the way to verse 33, but it says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, don't be worried. And he goes on down and he talks about, don't be worried about your food. Uh, you know, look at the birds, they are constantly being fed. And he tells us not to worry about these things. He says in verse 31, Do not worry then saying. Do not worry then saying. If you start worrying about something, which is one of Satan's classic uh, tools that he uses, you'll see that in Mark chapter 4. He talks about the thorns that, that, that grow up and it's worry, anxiety. If you start thinking those things, you'll end up saying them. And when you say them, you give voice to something that the enemy wants you to think about. Oh, I know, I, 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 I got this bad pain in my back. I'm sure it's cancer. 
you know, my my dad had it and my mom had it, and blah, 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 on and on and on it goes. Don't give voice to the thoughts that the enemy puts into your mind. Just don't say it. You know, he doesn't know what you're thinking, but he'll throw darts at you to see how you respond. And he can tell how you respond if what his darts are working. So if he throws a dart in there and says, that pain is cancer, and you speak that, he knows he's on, he's on the right track. But that's what it says. Do not operate in faith, or uh, do not operate in fear and anxiety by saying. Okay? That's the other way that the, t- the tongue gets tamed is by not saying something. Go back to Jairus. The only words that we ever have him recorded saying is, if you'll come lay hands on my daughter, she'll live. That's the only thing he ever said. He did. I'm sure when the guy came and said, hey, your daughter's dead, I'm sure that that really rocked his world, but he didn't say anything. And if you look at Jesus' response, if you look at it in the Amplified Version, it gives you the impression that Jesus spun on his heels and said, don't be seized with fear and alarm. Don't do that. And Jairus, to his credit, hung in there with what he said, and the reward was his daughter got up and walked away. Now, how many of us have issues with what we want to happen and what's happening? We want A, but we get B. Well, I would suggest to you, if A is God's Word and that what you want is A, then don't say B. Just don't say it. You might think it, it comes to your mind, but you don't have to say it. Satan doesn't know what you're thinking, and God gives you, the uh, in Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means don't think it. Because if you think it long enough, you will say it, and once you say it, uh, then you can set on fire uh, the the woods, as James says. Now, let's look at Psalm 103. No, 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 let's don't go to Psalm 103. We'll, we'll finish up, let's see, yeah, we'll finish up here with 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10. Seeing that His divine power has granted us everything about life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and excellence. For these, by these He has granted us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust or pressure. Now for this very reason applying all diligence in your faith. And then he gives a list of things to apply. But you go down to verse 9. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you'll never stumble. So what we want to do is just remember... We go back to James chapter 3. When he says, no man can tame the tongue, you can't, but the Word of God can. And you have the choice if you're going to speak the Word of God or you're going to speak disaster. 
So my challenge is every day is to speak what God says, and if I can't do that, to keep my mouth shut. Now, I don't do that all the time. Some days it seems like I don't know anything, but some days I get it right. And so uh, I'm going to pray, I'm going to close out with a prayer, and I want us to think about this, not from a negative standpoint, but from the positive standpoint. So, Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word and what your word says. We can honor your word. Uh, we can speak your word. And you said your word doesn't come back void. So if we speak your word, we'll get what you say we'll get. If we hang in there, walk by faith, and walk not by the things that are seen, but by the things that are unseen, your word. We thank you for that. We thank you for men like Jairus who hung in there, spoke what God said and didn't change it for anything even when the worst could possibly happen. So we believe that for our country. We believe that for our families. We believe that for our own selves, Father, that when we speak your word, we'll get the results you said we get. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Look forward to seeing you soon. Hoje a minha alma põe em mim o aroma de Jesus. Lírio dos vales cresce em beleza, força e luz. Rosa de Sarol, 